So, hello and welcome to this episode of the Lehigh Valley Good Love Podcast. We're talking today with Jason King-Jones, the Artistic Director for the PA Shakespeare Festival and host of Shakespearean Insights on WDIY, which helped me out with a lot of the questions for today. I didn't know that that uh, you hosted that, so you have a lot of episodes in there, there, so that's really interesting. I guess we'll get into that as we go a little bit, sure. but first of all, um, thank you for coming on. Sorry I kept you waiting. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. No problem. Happy to be here. So, uh, Jason, as the artistic director of the PA Shakespeare Festival, could you give us an overview of what to expect from this year's festival at the Sales University? Totally. Uh, I think the, the the big overview is there's something for everyone, uh, and hopefully a lot for uh, for for a lot of people. Um, this summer, we are um, we're, we're centering the whole theme of the season on Brave New Worlds, which is a quote that comes out of The Tempest, which is um, one of the one of the big pieces that we're doing on our main stage that I'm going to be directing. Um, but the and, and just for context, um, it, there's a scene in, in The Tempest when Miranda, who has been living on an island with her dad for pretty much all the all of the life that she can remember, um, suddenly encounters all these other people on uh, in this space. And she just says, oh, wonder how beauteous mankind is. Oh, brave new world to have such people in it. And it's just this moment of wonder of just seeing the beauty of humanity and understanding that people can be so different and that there's so much beauty in that. And I wanted to create a season that really embraced that idea. Um, so there are, you know, we have musicals, we have In the Heights, which is a fantastic musical that celebrates diversity and celebrates community. Um, we're also doing another musical on the Schubert for the first time, Lady Day at Everson's Bar and Grill. We've got a ton of Shakespeare that we're doing. We've got a, a community tour that's going out around the community. We're just trying to like find, and we're also doing an outdoor performance um, of complete works of William Shakespeare, abridged, revised again. Uh, and that's all intended to kind of like have kind of something for everyone. Uh, if you've been a part of the festival before, or you've, you've tried it out, you've seen a couple of shows, you're going to see a lot of stuff that you recognize. But if you've never been here before, you're going to there's going to be a lot of reasons to attend. Yeah, that was kind of my, my next question is Shakespeare is timeless. And, and you know, a yep. lot of us, more so you, but a lot of us have grown up on these works and we enjoy them. You know, how how do you keep it fresh? I mean, you kind of explained some of that. You have different uh, of events going on. You have, you have tours, like you had said. Um, yeah. You know, is it a challenge every year to say, you know, people have, have seen this play before. How do we continue to make it different, I guess? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I attended the season planning meeting before I started last year. And one of the things that they talked about was like, well, you know, we've got to be careful if we do this. You know, we've done this show. We can't, we got to like, it's got to mm -hmm. stay on the shelf for a while before we bring it back because we don't want audiences to get tired of this text. And, um, and I can understand that. I can appreciate that as a person who's like, I, you know, I've seen this play. I know how it, I know how it goes. Uh, that said, um, you know, there are first, fortunately there are like 37 or 38 of Shakespeare's plays. So there's a lot you can pull from. There's also a lot that Shakespeare inspired, a lot of work that was inspired by Shakespeare or sure. just the creativity of, of lots of, of writers of musical theater and, and, and contemporary plays that, um, that we are also kind of pulling from. We don't only do Shakespeare. But speaking of Shakespeare specifically, um, what I think is really fantastic about the plays is that they, um, different plays talk to our current time in different ways at different times. Yeah. So I, I could, you could, if you're doing a production of, 
you know, say like Hamlet right now, it's going to speak to the world in a different way than it did even 10 years ago. So like mm-hmm. there's a, there are just the, the plays talk to the present world in a different way. And when I talk to students about how to approach Shakespeare from a creative standpoint, what I encourage them to do is obviously read the play a lot, but then also just like look around, examine the world and the however the play is talking to you in context with the world that you, as you experience it, that's the production that you're going to be creating, you're going to be telling. And so there's, um, th- there's always a way that these plays um, can talk to us and, and talk to the, the contemporary time. You know what, with The Tempest, for example, I'm going to be directing, and um, that's a play that is, it's a love letter to the theater. It's a, you know, it's a play that's about magic. Prospero is this magician. And, um, and there's this great, you know, this metaphor about, about magic and making of theater that's, that really kind of works together. So there's, um, there's a lot of the play that is about the magic of making the impossible happen. And um, so that's kind of how we, we do it um, and how we kind of make it relevant for an audience. Is that, does that go into the planning process? Like, cause you have so, you have a diverse amount of, of Shakespeare plays you know, are you thinking what is going to be maybe um, received well now? Or, or how do you, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how do you pick the sure. plays that you're running each year? What goes into that? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're already in the planning process for next year. So I can just kind of say just generally, you know, like we're trying to, we're thinking about the season. I like to think about the season as a whole conversation, especially since our festival is happens all over the summer. You know, we, we're doing like a, we're like a regional theater. We produce a season's worth of regional theater, co- you know, content smashed into about you know eight weeks, eight and a half, eight or eight or nine weeks, so or nine, I guess, in this in this context. So it's just a lot that we do, and so we, I want to think about it like a one larger conversation. Like, what do we want? What kind of conversation do we want to have with with our with our audience? So, um, so Brave New World being a kind of way to frame the whole season. Um, we're looking at next year. We're thinking about how we can celebrate community and what are the plays that kind of help us do that and so we think about you know we think about the comedies and the tragedies and the histories we also you know speaking of histories one of the first things that's coming out of the gate this summer is henry four part two the reason that we're doing henry four part two right now is because we did henry four part one in 2019 the festival was planning to do it in 2020. Of course, that didn't happen. So we want to pick that, right. We want to pick up that storyline and then for our audiences, be able to kind of continue that thread. There are two plays after Henry IV part two that we can do. One of them is Merry Wives of Windsor. One of them is Henry V. So there's a, you know, there's a strong pull to do one of those plays very soon and probably one in 24 and probably one in 25 and just kind of which one we do next is part of that conversation. So there are those kinds of like how we continue with those stories. We do have some plays that the festival has never produced. And so there's a pull to kind of say like, well, you know, which are there, is there one on the shelf that we've just not done yet? And how do we do that? So we want it, cause we, we'd like to be able to, the phrase is to complete the canon. And we'd like to be able to complete the canon at some point. Um, so that's, th- those are things that are in the mix. And then of course there's the, um, the concerns, not the concerns, there's also the thoughts of like, well, we've been doing musicals, we love doing them, we have a history of doing them well, so what are the musicals that we're going to do that kind of help balance out the season? Um, sure. So these are kinds of kinds of conversations that we have um, with, with our team here, and one of the things that I think we've 
we've, we've got going on pretty well this summer is a great diversity of programming, um, stories from different artists about different uh, cultures and histories and things like that. And I want to make sure that we continue to do that um, because I think that there's, again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beauty to celebrate the diversity of the human experience. Uh, and I want to make sure that we give our audience the opportunity to see um, to see the world through a bunch of different lenses, uh, not just the same story or the same kind of story over and over again. So all those factors I, I, kind of play into how we do it. Sure, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit then and I'll come back, but you just talked about all the diversity uh, and Shakespeare has been reimagined many different ways, you know, um, sure. throughout, throughout history. For this particular season, are there any maybe, I don't want to say unconventional, but maybe unconventional interpretations or, or anything like that that you're um, incorporating into this year's festival? That's a great question. Um, I mean, we're not setting the Tempest on Mars if, if or anything right. like that. It could be fun. Yeah, I, I will say that, you know, um, the... I was not originally going to be directing The Tempest. The Tempest was originally going to be directed by our associate artistic director, Dennis Razzi. And then Dennis has had some recent uh, health issues that have made it kind of impossible for him to continue with the production. So I've taken the concept that he had and we've evolved it a little bit, but a lot of it is kind of speaks to where he was going with, with the piece. So I think that if I had been starting The Tempest solo, it might look like a different piece than, than, than what, what Dennis was doing. Although I will say that Dennis's production was a little bit more, I think, traditional on an, you know, how it was set. It was set on an island and, and the world uh, echoed a little bit of the age of exploration that was kind of uh, um, kind of happening around the time mm -hmm. of Shakespeare's writing. Um, we have played with that a little bit more and we've, we've highlighted more of the theme of the magic of theater making in it, which is then, um, and there, there are two key magical characters in The Tempest. There's Ariel, which is a, this fairy spirit, and Caliban, which is this kind of, um, often kind of played as this kind of like subhuman creature, and is he part fish or lizard or something like that? You don't quite right. you don't quite know. Um, so once you kind of lock in what those characters are, you have a production. Your production kind of radiates from that, because you have to answer those questions. Who are Ariel and Caliban in this world? And so I think in our world, they echo more um, a world that is tied to theatrical performance over over the centuries and less so about like creatures of an island and fairy magical fairies. So I guess you could say that there is a little bit of a of a different kind of take on the play from that standpoint. Um, Henry Ford part two, just to, to just kind of jump into that, what makes that piece also unique is that's what we call our extreme Shakespeare. The actors are arriving um, where the actors are arriving on Friday the, um, this, the, of this, this week, and they have four days to rehearse. There's no director, there's no designers. They've come in with their lines already learned, and they, they're kind of rehearsing it the way that a Shakespearean company, the way that we understand Shakespearean companies did at their time, okay. with their lines already, already learned. They know what their roles are, and they kind of work together to tell the story. They know the basics of, well, this is what great stagecraft looks like because we're experienced actors, and then we're just gonna tell the story. Um, so in some ways it kind of just obliterates the hierarchy that we're used to having in theater. Right. Where you have a director, you have designers, this is where you go, this is what, these are how you make these choices. It seems a little um, more communal. It's a lot more communal, yeah. a little bit more chaotic, <laughs> um, but, but what also comes out of that is, um, is a really kind of pure and um, distilled kind of approach to the text that's also really visceral and exciting. So, um, so that's 
I think just a lot of fun and a, and a great way to kind of just dive right into the season. Um, then the Midsummer Night's Dream that we're taking on the road, um, our young company who are DeSales University students, they, are, they make up our young company. They're rehearsing this production of Midsummer that's going to go around the community. And that's just going to be a little bit more of a contemporary take. Um, Midsummer Night's Dream is the, you know, a classic timeless comedy for, that's kind of meant for all ages to kind of experience right. the joy of, of, of creativity um, and, you know, and, and, and the foibles of love. Well, let's talk about, you mentioned a bunch of people who are also involved in this. Um, and there's so much that goes into this. You talked about the rehearsing, being out in the community. What are yeah. some of those, you know, the key ingredients that the Pennsylvania Shakespeare has, Festival has to consistently put on high quality shows every summer? Yeah. Uh, it's so, it, it's, I love talking about this as if I've been around a lot. You know, I just started <laughs> in September. <laughs> so, sure. um but, but I think that that's part of it is, as I've been learning, I think what we have we have four values at our at the festival. Shakespeare obviously is one of them. Quality is one of them. Um, relationships is one of them. And that's, I think what what I would lean on here to answer um, to, to answer this question on like what has made us so consistent over time, mm -hmm. besides you know already always leaning on uh, making sure that we do the best quality work we can. The, the other answer is we have great relationships. We have artists who really enjoy working here, who want to come back. They have a great experience. So I spent a lot of time when I started the, this gig, actually before I started in September, I was already speaking to artists who had been working here because um, I originally was at the Olney Theater Center in Olney, Maryland. Before that, I worked uh, in New York and New Jersey. I had like a 20 plus year career before I came here. And the the thing with the theater is it's actually a pretty small world. Everybody's interconnected in some way. Right. And I knew like a half dozen plus people. Or you know, so-and-so had... from so-and-so. and, -so and they... Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, I was talking to, to directors, designers, actors who had worked here about like, what do you love about this place? And then when, when I got here, I would talk to, I, ta I met a lot of new people who have a long history here. Like, what is it that you love about the festival? Why do you want to work here? And so you continue those relationships. And then we start to just to foster and build new relationships. Um, so we're, we have a great collection this summer of people who have a familiarity and a history to the festival. And then a lot of people who are brand new to it. But mm -hmm. uh, we've bought into the um, the idea that this is a, a really great summer collective retreat, a place to make a lot of really great work and then share it within the community. Um, going into the, the community uh, and your audiences, you know, Shakespeare language can sometimes be challenging, especially if you're first coming into it. Um, you know, how do you approach making some of that more accessible? I know that you can't hold everybody's hand, but sure. what is there's there's you want to also have people who maybe haven't experienced Shakespeare before also yeah. come in and not be intimidated. So how do you, how do you kind of go about that? Absolutely. Uh, well, there are a couple of different ways that we do that. Um, for for a piece like Midsummer that's going out into the community, mm -hmm. and we want it to be something that can be accessible to you know to all ages for you know families to bring their kids along and not have to get a babysitter. It's a free performance. Come sit down and watch the show. Um, it's first of all the show's been edited, 
So it's about an hour. It's a little over an hour long. So more any of the more confusing bits of language or context are just gone, mm -hmm. and you just kind of pare it down to the action. And then you trust that a really great director like Matt Pfeiffer, who's directing it, is just going to keep the story super clear. So right. you know, like this person loves this person, but can't but can't marry that person because dad, you know, because the parent says no. Okay, you yeah, just, yeah. Like the storytelling gets really clear, and you distill mm -hmm. that. Uh, you don't dumb it down, but you just make sure that the, the storytelling is clear. And Midsummer is a piece that once you once you pare it down, pare down the text, the story can be pretty clear. Mm -hmm. um, the plot is there's a lot going on. Well, they're, in the plot, they're yeah, but like the the uh, they're timeless types of stories that we've yeah. we've we've heard so many times. But these are maybe some of the originals, you know, exactly, um, exactly. as far back yeah. as we can go. Yeah, yeah, and then and then for things like the histories for Henry IV Part Two, which you. I, you know, like these, you know, for the Brits who, you know, who were coming to see this show, it was like their history, right? Like, imagine like we go to see a play that's, you know, that's about, you know, Gettysburg and we have a history. We know it. We've been studying. We know these things already. So, you know, the audience was walking in with that. We, our audiences right. don't have the benefit of that much British history unless you're just mm -hmm. an Anglophile uh, or, a, or a history major. So sure. what we do is we actually have a prologue. Um, talks that we give 45 minutes before the before the show for every right. Shakespeare play we do we our director of education Annalise Rodriguez puts together a prologue and we kind of go through these are the key things that you kind of need to know in order to understand the story here are the key players here's the bit of history that these people are, are going to be talking about so that you understand what it is and you know so we and even for the Tempest we like here are the major themes here are the major characters so that when you see the show, you can appreciate it a little bit and not just have to under, you know, spend all the time yeah. using your brain that to figure makes, out what exactly yeah. is going on. Well, that makes so much sense, too, because it's kind of like, hey, this is, you know, we're going to ease you into it, but giving you this knowledge so that you can kind of follow along, you know, from Jump Street there. That, that definitely would make me feel a little bit better. I mean, I know a lot of these plays, but some of them, sure. when you're watching them, you know, live and you're not reading the text, it can start to yeah. get... Absolutely. Yeah. And there we do have in the program, we also have a brief synopsis. So that, right. like, if you can't make the prologue, here's a brief synopsis if you want to read it. Like, I'm personally, I'm not a fan of like telling you what the story is going to be before you see mm -hmm. it, but some people appreciate that. So we have it available if you want to read it. So. Well, and that goes into, you talked about education, your director of education. Um, can you talk a little bit about that component and why the education is so important um, regarding the Shakespeare uh, during this time? Absolutely. And by the way, education is our fourth of our four values, um, because we, we really it's really important to us, not just like helping to educate our audience, but mm -hmm. also educating the next generation of theater makers. So um, at, here at the festival, we have a we have the young company that I mentioned, which are early career um, actors and students in the sales university program. Mm -hmm. um, we also have uh, interns in our scene shops and in our administrative staff so that we can be training and teaching the next generation of theater makers, um, because that's how this that's how this business works. Is you know, I was a mm -hmm. I was an intern when I started. My first thing was an internship at a Shakespeare festival. And I imagine you, you learn a lot way. from those who came before you. It's a lot of absolutely, that yeah. Passed down. It's a lot of passing on, passing down that knowledge that's shared. And sometimes it's questioning is like, well, that's that's how you did it. Is that really the best way to do it? Maybe I should we could try a different way. Sure. And when that that's and there's room for that kind of experimentation. And 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 the the industry is continuing to evolve. Um, so we don't always do the way the way we used to do it, but we certainly learn from our past. Um, and then of course we have um, 
the, the opportunity to perform for other for all ages doing a midsummer for all ages that's a way to kind of share the story and ho hopefully bring people in to get people excited about it we also have our willpower education tour which goes into the classrooms it's a fall tour that goes into middle schools and high schools um and the the linny fowler willpower tour has been going on for for decades and we've served about 225,000 students uh, in that time. Wow. Um, by, and we, every year we do a different Shakespeare play. Last year it was a, an edited version of Hamlet um, that toured for six weeks. Um, this fall <laughs> it's gonna be Romeo and Juliet. Um, and so it's often, you know, we, we have a, a short list of plays that are often in the curriculum um, because we also wanna really, um, we wanna really encourage our, our young people, our students, to experience Shakespeare as it was intended to be experienced, which was as a performance, not read from the text. You know, so many of us, the first time we experience Shakespeare, mm -hmm. we're sitting in a classroom, we open up Julius Caesar, and all of a sudden I have to, you know, I'm reading the part of you right. know, Mark Antony, and I'm like, I don't even know who this is. Like, <laughs> what is going what on? Yeah. Saying, What's going on? Deep out, know, right. Right, a classmate next to me is reading something and it just is so boring, my eyes mm -hmm. blaze over. Like that was never, it was never intended to, and, you know, Shakespeare didn't even publish these plays in his lifetime. They were published after he died, 400 years ago to this year, 1623, was, they were, wow. this, the first folio was published. Um, but because, well, I mean, he wanted them produced, he wanted them to be live. Also, he, was, he, he made a lot more money when they were live produced oh, and not somebody else was doing them. Yeah, but they were blueprints for performance. They weren't meant to be literature. So, um, so that's the way that they're authentically meant to be experienced. Um, with the sales, we—I mean, I, you said you're you're relatively new here to the area. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think there's so many people who would echo my sentiments in saying that we're so lucky to have this festival that takes place every year. Uh, last year, I got to interview Tony Todd, who. Oh, that's one of my who's one of my favorite actors and we talked about fishing and he was telling me the, the different lakes he goes to in the area when he's up here oh, wow. it's just so neat that we have this going on and it's an entire you know summer of it can you talk a little bit about you know what you're hoping that whether you come to every performance or one performance or the children's show you know what are you hoping that people the audience gets out of it this year or maybe every year? Um, I, I mean, I, I hope that they, they, I hope people enjoy it. I hope they have a good time. I hope that they, um, I, I mean, I want people to come if it's for the first time, they should, they should, you know, they come, they should just come on community day, which is uh, on July one, we're going to have a bunch of community partners here. We have, we have a lot of free events happening as well as some performances uh, that are, that are ticketed. Um, that's a great day just to come check out the festival. If you've never been here before, um, you know, I want people to, I want people to have a good time. I want people to, you know, what, one of the things about live theater and it, it's the antidote for, I think for what is kind of, uh, ailing us societally right now, you know, okay. our smartphones, which has been so important to us and a huge, mm -hmm. you know, advancement in our, in, in how we communicate has also been the thing that has been driving us farther and farther away from each other, where we can get entertainment, mm -hmm. we can get information, everything can just be like in our pocket and immediately in front of us. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have every, every single day, I'm having a conversation with somebody, I stop talking and then I look around and there are like three people just like on their phones. They're, they're not even talking to each other, they're just in their phones. Um, and, and I'm guilty of that too. Sometimes I just need to check my email or whatever. Sure. 
Right. When, but when you're at a, when you're in a theater event, you, you, you kind of have to put all that away. You have to focus on what's happening in front of you. And then as a community, you're experiencing something together. You're laughing, you're crying, you're clapping, whatever. It's happening communally. It's happening together. And that's the kind of stuff that knits us together as a community. And then we can share that experience and we can say, you know, like, hey, George, remember that performance? Remember that thing that happened? That was awesome. Oh, yeah, I totally do. And then, you know, when you get the benefit of them actually connecting with those performers, because, you know, they're also humans, getting to know them and just understanding how we are, um, we're, we're better off when we have those kinds of shared collective experiences. Yeah, it's, it's so neat that you mentioned that. I don't know if you're familiar with Touchstone Theater in, in yeah, South totally. Yeah, they just put on, yeah. they do it every year, but they had the Young Playwrights Festival and they held it at Zollner Arts uh, Center. And it's students write the plays and then mm -hmm. adults and, and children as well, they act them out. And it was one of the first times post pandemic now that, you know, we brought our daughter into a theater, you know, yeah. we're watching this um, and it was fantastic. Like she was getting the plays because they're coming from a children's perspective. Uh, and and yeah. the, the Zollner Arts Center was, was full. And this is for like a, a children's play production. It felt really special. And I think, you know, people are, are yearning for that. You know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but yeah. just to go to something like this is so well done and, and nearby um, and yeah. with some really, you know, consummate professionals who put on amazing shows. It, it's like I said, I'm, we're lucky to have it and we're, we're looking forward to experiencing it again. Um, and here, I want to dive right into it. So if people want to get more information, I think the best sure. part is just to go to pashakespeare.org. Uh, but yeah. am I right in saying that it does kick off May 31st with Henry the Fourth Part Two? Yeah, okay. next week, Henry Ford Part Two ha has a the first preview performance on May 31st. Uh, then uh, on June 2nd, the Midsummer Night's Dream Community Tour starts, mm -hmm. um, and all the dates uh, and all the locations are also on the website. Um, but in the first weekend, they're in Easton and Allentown and Bethlehem, um, and then they they go all over the Lehigh Valley. So th those those dates and locations are there. That tour starts on June second, um, and then in just over a, you know week or so after that, we jump into yeah, there it all is, and then yeah. we jump into. Um, into in the heights um and we're off to the races and it's great if you look at this and, and I'll let people go to the website and check it out on their own but you know we're going into august there are uh children's shows so yeah. a lot going on here it's not you know when i talked to some of my friends about it they're like oh shakespeare i'm like no it's there's way more than what you're you're thinking about and i think now as we're you know out of 2020 and we're we're back into being able to experience this stuff it's it's really exciting so yeah. Well, I'll tell you, just I know that we are almost out of time. But, you know, what, one of the things when I, when I think about Shakespeare, what I want people to think about is like is revolutionary creativity, because I think that's what he did is he just changed the game. And I think that uh, we want to do a festival that just embraces the, the, the best in the creative theater arts. Uh, so it's not just about like looking back at some guy who wrote a lot of great stuff. But right. it's about how that kind of work frees us into being really creative and finding ways to connect with our community to do it. All right, uh, Jason King Jones, thank you so much. This has been great. I, again, I'm sorry I kept you on hold there for a minute, but uh, I think this this turned out fantastic, and you know we're really looking forward to it. Again, visit pashakespeare.org to get all the information to buy your tickets for the summer season of the Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival. Uh, Jason, thank you so much, and we're looking forward to seeing you this summer. Thanks for having me. I had a great time talking with you.
Big shout out to our sponsors, Molly's Irish Grill and Sports Pub, Michael Bernadin with Remax Realty, WXPN FM, and of course, the Wind Creek Event Center. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next time.